Welcome to Mindspace Minimal. We're your hosts, Daniel Ryan and Jessica Yatrovsky. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you enjoy this episode. today jessica i'm good good waiting for the storm to come in that looks like it just got completely dark in here yes yeah had some uh some storm clouds rolling in on the walk over here who knows maybe we'll get some dramatic rain in the background if we're lucky apropos for our episode today go on (laughs) past life regression yes yes it is we're talking about past life regression um, from a, a couple different angles, you know, of course I want to give the inside story of my practice and my experience and my life, uh, working with it, but also, you know, this kind of as many different points of view on it as we can get to today, we, you know, would be better served by, because there's obviously there's a lot of misinformation around this stuff. There's a lot of, uh, superstitious or perhaps just dismissive ideas about what's possible or uh, capable and the tool of past life regression so just exploring all of those possibilities from a uh, a neutral point of view we'll say as as close to that as we can become both being <laughs> highly biased proponents of it ultimately so i've done it a ton that we've we've discussed this on previous episodes mm. but how would you define it in a short sentence or paragraph or just a few words yeah what that is like how i could tell a friend what is past life regression without telling them my specific experiences because you know that could take forever of course yeah great question of course and uh, one i'm answering and offering people relatively often past life regression is a form of hypnotherapy that explores what may or may not be past lifetime memories but in those explorations we are looking at what are clearly operating as metaphorical understandings for relationships patterns of behavior phobias fears joys talents skills everything in between you know the things that we do in our lives really you know the relationships whether it's relationships to other people or our our job, you know, our home, the the places we go, our, our stuff. So, yeah, past life regression is a therapy, a therapeutic tool that can explore these relationships that we have in a very, really fascinating way as far as I'm concerned. Right up front, another thing that I say to the groups and most of the people I work with is past life regression is not a good tool to prove or disprove the afterlife. That is quite naturally what a lot of people are going to be either drawn to it for or also dismissive of it because of, you know, so there is a very natural, I don't blame anybody for this, for the record, you know, it's, it's in the name and in the language that I inherited uh, around this exercise, past life regression that was born in the late seventies, right around the same time I was. And uh, I did not know that. I don't think I've ever Googled the history of past life regression. I don't know that it's written, Jessica. I, I, it's, you know, something that I have in me that will show up in the books that I eventually publish. Um, you better get on that wiki. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. And the Wikipedia entries around this stuff is often hysterical. It's like, probably like hokey. Oh, right? it's, it is. But again, you know, I, it, it, yes, it's 
around past life regression, actually, I'm not sure. I've not looked in a minute, but I do know for hypnosis and NLP in particular, the wiki is very dismissive, kind of like not not so much hypnosis, but um, NLP just kind of dismisses as a pseudoscience, which is unfortunately, and I, I think, you know, by and large, mostly fair because NLP has been misused and bastardized in so many ways, you know, uh, pickup artistry and like, you know, mm-hmm. awful kind of stuff to, you know, manipulate people and sales techniques, like really kind of, uh, really kind of just, uh, gross <laughs> applications of the tool, which in its purest ens- essence, neurolinguistic psychology, neurolinguistic programming, it's about the communication between the brain and language and language in the brain. And, you know, in its essence, what could be more interesting or useful than that? But that study is then taken and used in all kinds of weird ways, which h- hypnosis is too. So what can we do? Well, I find past life regression to be incredibly intellectual and the experience is not only one that is um, spiritual, mm-hmm. it's entertaining, it's informational, mm-hmm. it's relaxing. Yeah. I just find that it's limitless. So, yes. Kind of a little bit like the movie Limitless. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot like the movie Inception. So if you can only imagine, if you love those movies, yeah. definitely book Dan. Um <laughs> But actually, speaking of booking you, mm. I was thinking, we were just chatting earlier that, you know, I you give group sessions, you host group sessions, yep. and I have brought a lot of friends to these group sessions, and I always say, you know, this is a little bit different than having a one-on-one session, because in a group session, we're all lying down, we're you know, you're, you're guiding us in the hypnosis portion of it. And, um, when you have a one-on-one session, which we'll see here in a moment, yes, which we're going to be replicating in a way today, the patient client Mm -hmm. is speaking back to you. And that doesn't happen in a group session. In a group session, we kind of, you know, come become, more awake and coherent Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. we share what our experience was so um as a person who is a curmudgeon and homebody i prefer to have the one-on-one session because i'm getting feedback i'm getting to express myself in the moment and i don't have to share it with a group of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also like i said to you before i don't know if i've said this on a previous episode but i feel like energy travels in groups Mm -hmm. and um when i'm in a group sometimes and this is not to deter anybody from doing a group session like they're lovely of course not they're two different experiences to your point but i feel like because of this energy traveling in in a group or a cluster i've found i've found that some of the group sessions have had themes oh yeah so i don't know if that is um past life bodies of energy sort of traveling together and like giving everybody that information at the same time, Mm. like put whatever you will out there. But, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't care for that as much. It Mm -hmm. was interesting when it was happening, but I think that to the power of the past life regression session, it is so highly 
intense and bountiful mm. when you do it one on one. So like that's kind of my that's my take on it. Right on. So yeah, do without what you will. No, appreciate it. But like, I encourage all forms of it because you know like just to share one more thing I had my father come with me to a past life regression session once and, you know, and he had a great experience, you know, he went back in time and he was like in the South Pacific or something. And he was swimming in a lake with a woman who wasn't my mother. And he shared that. And Hmm. it was so beautiful. Like this, what do you call them? Regressions generally, but they can, that's a good question. What names we give the experience, but you know, he had a beautiful regression, a beautiful yeah. session. Yeah, and and I thought, oh, that's so interesting. Um, because when I first asked him what he saw, he kind of didn't really answer me, and I don't think it was because he was worried about sharing that. I mean, we're a very open family, and like that that didn't really happen mm. so it was like you know it's whatever is happening in your mind mm-hmm. when you're going through the um past life um session but i thought it was really beautiful and it was very visual my father also is a really good storyteller so i was very intrigued by like if he had that kind of visceral sort of experience with it what could have that been like mm-hmm. if he was working with you one on one what could you guys explore together what could you find but i think sometimes like that was a very innocent and beautiful experience whereas i've heard people that are describing more violent ones and ones that are, you know, some people that are describing um, ones where they kind of just really don't know what to do. And I've been in all three of those areas. So, like, sure. I speak from experience. I've been scared. I've been elated. And I've been kind of like, what the fuck? Like, why am I in this room for so long? And they're mm-hmm. like, nothing's going on. You know, like, have you done, um, this is not totally off topic, but mm-hmm. have you ever... Um, done sleep no more oh yeah three times in fact. okay so yes. that reminds me of past life regression in yeah. a lot of ways without giving away the experience immersive like, theater yes yeah so ways. sleep no more is this immersive theater experience in new york city probably another i think that's in london too or something i believe that's in a couple other cities now yeah. um so i remember when i first did that the person who got me and my girlfriend a ticket they did not tell us what it was. So I didn't Google it or anything because That's a nice I'm all way to be introduced to mm-hmm, it. I'm all about preserving the experience. So <laughs> but it was actually kind of bad for me because mm. I was suffering from really bad anxiety at the time. Oh, yeah. And they like separate you and there's all these things that happen that you're yeah. not sort of prepared for. There's some anxiety inducing parts of the experience. Very much so. Like I thought I was gonna be attacked and then I was like, well maybe I'll be into it or like I don't know. <laughs> And uh, that's a whole other side. We don't have to explore that. But um, that is kind of similar to these spaces and doorways that you Mm. can travel through in your mind with past life regression. It's a discovery. Even more so, I describe it as a... the original virtual reality. Uh, oh, more, yeah. More like immersive theater even. Because it's I just... I can see that. It's just the back of your eyelids, essentially. That's why I say Inception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny, actually, those movies that you mentioned, because you're so right that while film and television is also the number one perpetrator of all the misconceptions of hypnosis, like absolutely the, 
representations in fiction mostly of hypnosis are more responsible than any other individual or thing uh, for the bad PR that just follows that subject around. But at the same time, you are so right that there are so many other kinds of slightly off the, the radar or outside of the box representations of these experiences, not unlike Inception, excuse me, which is a movie I like. Um, but yeah, as a way of describing or kind of uh, making cinema out of the experiences that we go through in the metaphor of the onion, which ends up being so apt for mm -hmm. going through the layers. I think it's not a bad idea to even mention that past life regression, I think oftentimes, even when I mention it in my circle, that it's associated with trauma mm -hmm. or this sort of negative experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it couldn't be further from that. Like I've had experiences where I do experience release, but it, when you go beyond that, it's like we have releases on a daily basis. You know, mm -hmm. like I have a release when I take my bra off at the end of the day. It's just like that's not negative, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is just like another release. But I think the word regression mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. is it's, like what people are hearing. And then yeah. they hear and then they think like trauma. But to me, what I think is that if you approach it, in a playful way, which is not necessary, not necessarily how I've always approached it because I was a fearful person. So I was approaching it like, oh, what am I going to find in my head? You mm -hmm. know, like the, it was some kind of scary thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, approaching it in a playful way, there are times when you will sort of bump into your trauma of course. and release it. But it doesn't seem it's not that bad. So yeah, to your point, which I, I so appreciate what you're saying here. So first of all, for myself, for anybody who might not know who's listening, hypnosis and past life regression are my family business. I grew up with past life regression and watching my father, who was also a hypnotherapist and regression therapist, work with past life regression. It was my introduction to hypnosis, meditation, philosophy, psychology, all of these other subjects. So I saw very early on in my, you know, around the age of 13, 14, 15 years old, people around the age I am now exploring their trauma almost exclusively, you know, almost exclusively through this tool uh, as a 14-year-old kid steeped in the sarcasm of the 1990s in the United States. Uh, and so I, I kind of started out as a sarcastic kid looking at what was going on around me. Also, I should point out, you know, I participated, of course. I was there to hang out with my dad, and I was glad to be there. And past life regression ended up helping me through the stuff that young guys go through around those ages. So I knew the benefits of it at a young age. And I also had a, uh, a radar that was pretty well-tuned to bullshit just <laughs> by being a kid. And what teenager isn't sarcastic? Well, so it's exactly. funny that that was your dad's family business. <laughs> <laughs> and we and something I want to focus on today in this conversation is the comedy in it, because 
you know, just as you're saying, this was apparent to me at a young age and something that I really tried to channel and bring into my practice working with, I still do, is the creative applications, the Jungian archetypal understanding of everything that's taking place. I feel like past life regression and the tarot have a very interesting relationship. Um, the tarot, which is a subject in general that I absolutely love and respe respect a great deal, it's also just a deck of cards. And I want to be very careful not to uh, bring into this conversation any superstitious thought, but instead a kind of reverence for what's exp expressed in the tarot. You have the major and the minor arcana, arcana translating from Latin as secrets. So in the deck, you have the major and minor secrets of our lives, and each card of the deck is representative of a moment that you and I can have any given day. You know, our highs and our lows, our victories and our losses, triumphs and everything else in between. So past life regression, uh, this relationship between the two that I look for and I see very often speaks to us in the same way and can offer us these snapshots of moments, these kinds of glimpses into a another possible life, another possible consciousness, another possible perspective on something that we might be experiencing in the present. In fact, I want to get into some specific stories in a moment here. Um, but I, I've come to so appreciate it from that point of view. And as a creative tool, if somebody comes into my office with writer's block, one of the first things we're going to do is past life regression because we're activating a storytelling machine in the subconscious mind. For people that are writers or designers, visual thinkers in any way, past life regression is something I'll reach for relatively quickly as a symbolic study or as an archetypal study or as a dream study. Uh, I teach a class called Trance Writing that is all about the relationship between creativity and trance states. So their relationship is something that I've been, and they're being threaded together ultimately. You know, we're separating them right now, but I think we're talking about things, elements that are ultimately bound together in a way. I've been aware from a young age and saw that potential in past life regression and was excited by it, <laughs> was mm -hmm. way more excited by it than chasing the dragon of trying to figure out what happens when we die, mm -hmm. uh, which I saw also early on was a snake eating its own tail and just kind of got the impression at a young age watching these adults try to figure that out that it wasn't figure outable and that we should stop. Wait, <laughs> you had this image or you, you just I, saw that as a theme? You know what the image was? The image was, you know, it, it feels like it's out of a movie as I'm remembering it, um, was a bunch of old men mostly guessing at what happens in the afterlife. And I just looked at it and I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to be them. I want to decide right now for myself what seems to be self-evident that we don't get to know. Right. Uh, and that, you know, it reinforced actually a very young interest in Buddhist philosophy and a focus on the present moment that the risk of sounding lofty or anything is eternity. On this podcast, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it again, it was so helpful. It was such a strange experience to have at a young age, but it informed and put all of these kinds of philosophical and in some cases endless, but in other cases helpful questions in my mind about 
what to pay attention to and what not to and what was worth my attention and what wasn't. And in past life regression, again, it was just clear at a young age that certain questions would never be answered and that, you know, we shouldn't use this tool in quite that way. I'll, I'll quote to Ian Stevenson and Jim Tucker at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia, who I've emailed with Dr. Tucker a little bit. Um, wonderful people, published authors, and they do fascinating work in this place. And they do a lot of work around the afterlife and reincarnation. And they respectfully do also acknowledge, as I'm saying now, past life regression, not a great tool for proving or disproving the afterlife. So they don't work with it much, uh, at least not for those purposes. It's best applied as a, a therapy or a creative exercise or a thought experiment. There are those rare and miraculous cases where something inexplicable does happen, and all of a sudden a child or an adult, somebody, experiences a past life regression that then goes and confirms some information that they could not have known, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden we have a mystery on our hands. And I am with every other person on the planet who looks at that and goes, holy shit, that's amazing. What's going on there? Yeah. What is going on there? I share in the uh, amazement of those moments because I can't explain it either. Um, well, it is really unexplainable. I mean, mm. the whole way that I came to past life regression through you is a recommendation of many lives, many masters. And sure. like he was in disbelief of it when he was coming right. up against it yeah. with his patients in practice. So I just wonder when I'm thinking about past life regression. Brian Weiss, by the way, if any listeners are interested. Shout out to Brian Weiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I never read your book, Brian. I just read the cover and then I Googled and I found Dan. Love you, Dr. Weiss. <laughs> um, I think I think we shook hands a couple times in the 90s. He and my oh, dad. Oh, you met him. Yeah, he and my dad knew each other at a time. I think they were acquaintances. Knew might be too strong a word. That's cool. But they crossed paths, and I do believe I, I shook it. Well, I did shake his hand a couple times well, we years need to ago. talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Dr. Weiss. What I was thinking <laughs> while you were talking, which is so rude... Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is what but, I was thinking. <laughs> no, but I've heard you talk about this a lot. So I'm, it's okay. I get to make notes and stuff while you're talking. Um, is, are you okay with that? <laughs> of course, of course, please. Um, I was thinking about, you know, well, two things. One is having past life regression instances, mm -hmm. I guess. Can I call them that? Uh, mm -hmm. Moments. There's a lot that has left me with some question marks, mm -hmm. but that have always come back to resolve themselves at a later date. So I feel confident in the process that I'm not going to be left confused or with a puzzle that's, you know, not going to be eventually put back together again. And to me, whatever doesn't make sense, I just kind of forget about and it falls away until it sort of comes back the way that it needs to. And I've been thinking a lot lately, too, about an experience that I had with a a past life medium. Mm -hmm. And I think this was either right before I started working with you or right after. And she told me something about a past life that I had recalled 
in the scary scene that I described with you in another session on another episode Hmm. of um, being on fire. Hmm. So she told me that I was a young prince and I was killed in a past life. Mm -hmm. And I won't, well, I was about to say I won't bore you with the details. People might think this is interesting, but I'm not going to go into it. Mm. And then I had a session or I had the session with you before that. Mm-hmm. She didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's interesting how these sort of clusters of information are around. So if you believe it or if you don't believe it, I just think it's a, a way of catharsis to to be, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, a way of processing and sort of understanding, like you're talking about it being metaphorical and a way that we can understand our world. And I got into another really interesting conversation with my sister and we were talking about, cause she's a scientist, you know, the, what we have the one dimension, two dimension, three, and then humans can't perceive a fourth. Mm. Is that the whole thing? We're getting into quantum physics my, here. My interdimensional physics isn't so sharp. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. You can write us, correct us, <laughs> educate yeah. us yes, because please. we're totally interested in this. But I think I, I'm, I like, I'm scared to even like start talking about this because my information is very limited here. But yeah, we're, we're lay people. Okay. Our listeners forgive um, us. We're just talking. So. I was thinking and, and talking to my sister about this so-called fourth dimension or whatever dimension is that humans can't perceive. But it's some... the fourth. Yeah. I mean, we're in the third as far okay. as I understand. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I think, where are we? Right? Um, yeah, I think we're in the third <laughs> dimension. And so, and I studied pretty high up in science as well and, you know, and physics. And we, so we started getting into this really interesting discussion about the fourth dimension and she's like no it's to- it totally makes sense the fourth dimension and how we perceive these things so how I'm tying this back to past life regression is mm. that I feel like as humans we are limited to the amount of knowledge that we just have with our existence on this planet and those are the things that we perhaps access or in dream states, in past life regression sessions, in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're capable of accessing so much more information. So I remember you were telling me some session you had with somebody where they went beyond physical form completely. Mm-hmm. And then I Non-human think... Non-human experiences are very yes, common. Yes, like yeah. alien experiences and sure. all that. And like while that sounds like, you know, an Inquirer cover... Sure. It's, it's more of like, it's a feeling, it's a state and it's really fun. And yeah, don't you, you can access that kind of state, like on a really like intense bike ride. Right. Right. So it's uh, yeah. Pardon my interrupting. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I, I mean, it, like you say, it sounds like an inquirer cover. It sounds so easy to dismiss and to the wrong person, uh, get there, just be like, whatever that sounds completely stupid and then yet concurrently there's millions of people on this planet that feel weird in their human experience and that are actually quite liberated i I mean maybe millions was too strong a word but i mean i have encountered in my practice and this is a kind of general truth within regression therapy and the communities that explore non-human experiences 
it's a way of finding a sense of freedom and liberation from whatever discomfort they might be suffering from. I think, you know, at different points in my life, I have felt weird in my body for anybody who has ever felt weird in their body. Yeah. You know, it can be so freeing and so liberating. And just this way, actually, I'm working with somebody who recently experienced an accident and suffered a horrible injury. And we'd been doing some hypnosis around pain relief that had been having mild success, but it's very intense pain that he's managing. We began doing past life regression, and he's having these totally out there kind of narrative experiences of totally different people. And he's telling me that he's finding past life regression ultimately to be the most pain relieving thing wow. we've done yet because the new CBD it takes him <laughs> out of himself. Yeah, you know it provides from these intervals where he can frankly just imagine he's somebody else and be somebody else and be immersed in their body and their feelings and feel all the things that he can't currently feel mm-hmm. uh, but that his body remembers uh, so it's just these kinds of unconventional unexpected unpredictable applications where past life regression ends up being the exact tool that was needed and they're very hard to spot mm-hmm. you know uh, but they're there. They are there. And, and I think I may have said this in our conversations before, but past life regression, I really do believe more and more every day is low key, the most useful therapy on the planet right now, just because again, it has this large kind of breadth of things that it can address. If you have a spiritual question, here's a therapy for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a question about your subconscious mind or the possibility of past lives or even ancestral work, here's a therapy for you. You know, if you want to explore Jungian therapy, go. Freudian, mm-hmm. go. You know, like it's uh, the shit. Yeah, I mean, obviously we love it, and obviously I'm biased, um, <laughs> but you know, it's some cool stuff, man. And I can, uh, I can also say I'm very proud. After almost eight years of practice now, I guess in New York City, I I feel like I am part of a new kind of resurgent and understanding resurgence and understanding of how it can be used. It's at least happening here in our town. I, I can't help but notice, and a lot of them are my friends, but I can't help but notice more people working with past life regression, at least in, in the neighborhood, neighborhoods we hang out in. Yeah, I feel like if you also called it something different, people would probably, well, I don't know, maybe they would flock more to it or less to it, but a lot of people come because of the regression oh, yeah. title. But I found, that's why I was picking up my phone now, because we were talking earlier about trauma and I was like, let me look up the definition of trauma because we know Mm. it, but it's also becoming platitude. Um, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So that's what trauma is. And I think that that is somehow correlated to past life regression. Like you're going to dig up something really upsetting, disturbing from either a past life or this current life. And I, I think that it's important to know that if that is the case, if that happens, it's not, I don't know. Part of me is just like, it's not real Mm. if you don't want it to be. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I'm not speaking for you at all, but like, this is my experience. Sure. You mean the experience of the past life regression? It's not real. What's not real when you say that? We create 
these stories about ourselves anyway when we move through the world. Absolutely. So if you have something that you're envisioning that feels like a memory, feels like something from the past or something from your present past, like this lifetime, Mm -hmm. it's just imagery. It could be a movie. Why bother and assign it reality? Totally. Yeah. Unless it is useful. So, yes, if, if I may interject for a moment, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the, the boundaries of what we're talking about is here's the thing. If you and I do successful therapy together and you feel better afterward, whatever it is that you were there for is relieved. Mm-hmm. If you had, I mean, there are boundaries to this, too, mm-hmm. I think, uh, of things that are appropriate and inappropriate, which, you know, most of them are fairly obvious. But whether you had to go through the memory of a past lifetime or a present lifetime or, you know, future pacing and visions of your near future, which is something that we're also often doing in in hypnotherapy, what does it matter? That's what I always say. So if somebody puts their hands on you as placebo and they're like, I'm giving you good vibes and you feel better. Totally. I'll pay you $60 for that. Yes, which we've both done. If you're, you know, in New York, it's 120. Yeah. But... Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so coming back to the boundaries here, outside of the office, outside of the intimacy and the one-on-one and the conversation between client and therapist or patient and therapist or the two people in that experience together, there can and will be a cacophony of noise and opinions Everything from your therapy's bullshit to your bullshit to like you know, I mean, there's there will never be any shortage of those voices, right? Don't you think it's a problem because sometimes people are coming to it looking for cures? You know, I well, think yes, that's probably but, the complaints if people have them. Yes, and you know, I would reflect back that, and I would say this to somebody that comes in looking for that as well, that that mentality of seeking a cure is firstly. I would call it wrong, of course. It's not a matter of right or wrong. But perhaps what we're looking at doesn't need to be cured. Perhaps there's something that needs to be realigned, reintegrated, discussed, explored, put behind you, discarded. I wouldn't say I defer to the people I work with as the experts on themselves, and their language is important to me. So, you know, a cure is actually a very specific process that I don't I don't know from the medical point of view but that I do know is medical in its nature uh, when I'm working with people I'm I'm generally not curing anything and I'm not claiming to and that's and that's I not, don't even like that word anymore cure uh, yeah and that's that not mean? really what people come to me for either I, I very few if anybody ever has come to look to cure something do you work with a lot of clients that are looking for relief from or to quit smoking smoking is a classic it's one of my least favorite things to work with um Why? for a couple different reasons one because it is kind of a cliche of hypnosis two because most people that come to hypnosis for smoking cessation which again I, i'm very empathetic towards i was a smoker for a long time and i quit in my early 30s um, i still can't imagine that by the way Right. I mean, it's it's so funny. Like, I can't imagine it either, to tell you the truth. Um, anyway, 
when people come to hypnosis for smoking cessation, most times they are looking for a kind of quick fix. And while hypnosis is intended as a brief intervention, and I do like to use it that way, I don't like working with the attitude of quick fixes Mm -hmm. generally. You know, one of the things that makes hypnosis a successful brief intervention is because the tool is set up in such a way that it's going to do the job relatively quickly. And if it's not the right tool for the job, we'll know that relatively quickly as well. You know, and it's really only considered a brief intervention in comparison to other therapies, which are endless. You know, I mean, it's a brief intervention compared to psychotherapy, which has, you know, unless you have a conversation with your therapist, no end point established on it. It's just kind of called psychotherapy too. I just, just the way you said that right now, it's like implying we're all nuts. Yeah, that name hasn't aged well. I mean, neither has past life regression. A lot of the language around this stuff is problematic. And, and you know, for the record, psychotherapy, I know many wonderful psychotherapists. They're all tools that avail- are available to us, so I'm not slagging off any particular modalities or anything. I think they can all have their, their usefulness and their time and their moment. But that's kind of why I wanted to, like, debunk a lot of these words, too, because... I don't feel like they're accurate and or properly depict these experiences and like language needs to change. I mean, you know how I feel as a feminist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of wording and um, language needs to change. But I think that all in all, it's to the benefit to have the experience and then you assign the words to the experience. I, I tell people in this regard, not to pin the butterfly to the page mm. with the story, you know, but to to let it change over time. I did past life regressions myself over 20 years ago now that can still give me meaning and can still offer some kind of new perspective on something for me. And it's because I didn't lock them in time as to only have one message about one thing that was going on at that time, which it probably did too. Okay, random question. I just had this thought that you told me this years ago that one of the first past life regression memories you had was you were a woman. Mm -hmm. Go on. What do you remember? (laughs) Like a middle-aged woman, you were washing dishes. Yeah, yeah. And you died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was like... That was actually the first. That was the first. So my 14-year-old will say, I might have been 13. I think I was probably 14, around that age, tender age for anybody. My male brain went first to a young woman in her 20s who was a new bride during expansion into the West in the United States in the 1800s, a kind of cowboy fantasy but not a cowboy fantasy at all just that not time when you wanted i'm sure no uh <laughs> and i was the wife of a kind of a rich banker he literally looked like the monopoly man it was a kind of a caricature but he was he was a real man i was a possession to him you know i was i i saw next to nothing of their relationship i think because i didn't want to and i had it sounds this, like westworld <laughs> At the elements of that, you know, that kind of thing. And I had, I got the sense I had five children, although I never saw them together or Mm -hmm. anything. I didn't get any 
pictures of the kids. I just got this very, very distant, actually, very distant sense that it wasn't a happy marriage. It wasn't a happy life, necessarily. And, it, and then it kind of flashed from these this sense of who she was as a young woman to being middle-aged and just collapsing doing dishes. I don't know what she died of. So you actually died while you were doing the dishes? That's the impression I okay. got. That's Cause I couldn't I remember that part of it. I was like, yeah. I knew I couldn't remember. Oh, you died while doing the dishes or you died in that sort of lifestyle. I can still remember the images in my mind. You know, part of it was first person looking down at the dishes in the sink and water and a window in front of me and cabinets to the left and to the right of me. And then that kind of almost, you know, cinematically zooms out and it's third person and I'm watching the this woman from the back framed by a window with cabinets on either side, her hands in front of her and a kind of like dusty red dress and she just collapses. Well, that's a downer. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody try fast life regression, right? But, um, so let me let me yes. please, you know so now, 14 years old, as a boy, I have that experience. What's the lesson for young Dan? That's what I was going to ask at you. The, at the time, <laughs> at the time, my, my childhood dog had recently passed away. My brother was arrested for possession of pot and acid in the suburbs and was sent to rehab and, and called by a local court at the age of 17, an addict. Uh, with this lifelong disease, which ridiculous respect to families and people struggling with addiction. Uh, and then also my parents were separating and breaking up. And then also, of course, as if predestined, I was falling in love at the, uh, for the first time. So all of this was happening at the same time around the age of 14. All of the, my, my childhood was effectively coming to an end uh, and my young adulthood beginning immediately. And the lesson of this young woman was all about power and control and all about being owned as a possession and all about a kind of needing to find, again, as a young teenager, a sense of manifest destiny because my, my parents were busy breaking up. My brother was going through his own stuff as a 17-year-old kid who was now being put through the system. Um, and I was on my own. I was kind of left to raise myself a little bit. At that time, I have wonderful parents, so uh, my dad has passed away now, but uh, so no disrespect to them. It was just, there's a tough, tough time. Well, that part of your life sounds like it was ending, you know, so her Very death so. is metaphorical to your ending of the childhood, you know? I never even considered that piece, There you Jeff. go. There I'm going to send See? you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny. Uh um, yeah, I, I, literally. I, see, I never considered her death in that way. Even it was, I've always my focus had been and was on the the sense of powerlessness that she mm -hmm. felt, and mm -hmm. the the sense of her as being somebody else's property that was so pernicious and awful. But see, this is what I'm talking about. We jump to the negative aspects of any uncomfortable past life memory. Mm, mm. That's what I was experiencing, at least in the groups, you know, like people that would have um, negative ones. Yeah. Now, anybody listening, I've been in tons of dance groups and there have been so many abundant, like, uh, <laughs> positive experiences oh, yeah. where people... I'll tell those stories Yeah, I next. mean, but 
those are those are fantastic. Yeah. I've had plenty of them and working with Dan enough, I've even found a way to access those when I'm having uncomfortable moments because mm. I'm learning that the mind isn't in control of me, mm-hmm. that I can control my experience as well. And that obviously crosses over into my life. And that's how I use past life regression in the waking world, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories to tell is about a woman in her 30s who was coming to see me a while back. You may have heard this story. She was. Good, I'll check my email. <laughs> You could take a nap. Um, she was coming to see me because she felt she was a workaholic. She was managing a bar a couple nights a week. She co-owned a shop that she was in and also managing. She was sending some money home, so there was a sense of duty behind what she was doing and the, the energy that she was putting in. Um, so she's coming in. We, we do a number of sessions together, present-based hypnotherapy and past life regression. I think it was maybe a third or fourth session and the second or third time she had done regression. And she had a non-human experience as a camel. Again, not strange, not uncommon that people would have That's animal fun. experiences. Camel too. She's coming to see me because she's a workaholic. Camel's a very hard-working animal carrying bags back and across the uh, back and forth across the desert. But this particular camel was present at the birth of Christ. This particular camel was the camel at the manger scene. Wow. With the wise men, with Mary, with Joseph, with the baby. Have you heard this story? No. Great. Good. Uh, So I've been looking at the manger scene on church lawns all my life, right? And basically not really paying much attention to it. Just enough attention to it, I guess, to know the story and the characters. And in my office, in this woman's experience, and she's not particularly religious, the store that she runs sells and, and has a lot of kind of spiritual iconography and symbols that we see around us a lot today and you know cool stuff and nicely designed. So I think she was very, very aware of the stories and very, very aware of the Bible and the characters, but she herself not devout to the faith. Um, anyway, all of a sudden these characters are real and the Virgin Mary who had just given birth is giving her extraordinary information about herself as a woman that she didn't communicate to me and didn't have to. I was just asking her, are you getting what you need? And the answer was coming back, yes. And she's seeing the wise men. She's seeing the baby. This scene is real. Like somebody just gave birth. Um, And it's tremendously emotional. And I'm staying with her, and she's really kind of guiding me through the scene at this moment as the camel present at the birth of Christ. And I ask her a question that I'll ask you later today that I ask pretty much everybody during every past life regression I do. What's the lesson here? What is the tool? What's the awareness or resource we can take with us? And this is such an essential piece of this that we're talking about today, that it's one thing to know you were Cleopatra in a past lifetime, but it's another thing to have the experience be useful to you. I always want that latter option to be what occurs. And and it's the difference, too, also, I think, between somebody projecting what they think you were in a past lifetime onto you versus you having your own internal experience and reflection of, I'm feeling this, I'm sensing this, I'm seeing this. So I asked her, what's the lesson here? What's the lesson for you? And what she said was that she had mistaken 
nearness to spirituality for self-care for a long time. Nearness. And that she needed to take better care of herself, which she had known, but this was giving her that message in a different way, that she had mistaken nearness to spirituality Hmm. for the actuality of self-care. See, this is what I'm talking about, though. It's like you have the answers inside of you, and we're looking for these gurus to tell us these things. Like, And isn't that the most extraordinary and elegant way to provide oneself that information yes. through the story of the camel present at the birth of Christ and yes. the lesson of proximity to a thing versus actually being in it? Mm-hmm. I am still, I'm on, obviously, I'm still telling that story today and will be for a long time. Um but it speaks so deeply to stuff I see around me all the time. I've got a, a, a good friend who's a psychiatrist here in the city, and we talk about the concept of spiritual bypassing relatively often, which uh, can have a couple different meanings, but you know, it comes down to the idea of using our spirituality as a kind of a crutch or a, a excuse for you know something else, displacing responsibility or not fully owning something. Uh, trying to think of an example right now but I'm coming up dry but it's just this idea of again not being just close to something I'm not going to just wear the necklace that has the spiritual iconography on it and kind of you know act as if or something like that versus actually authentically being a thing I like that yeah it's uh I can't this is one of the stories I like to tell I'll, I'll tell one more that's one I do tell often because I think it 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 expresses a couple different possibilities in the story of non-human experiences, uh, recontextualizing religious stories that we're all deeply familiar with, those personal lessons and the way that they can come through. You know, something that, again, I don't know anything of the specifics of either, but that still is also powerful to me just because I was there too and I saw her face as it was happening. But the conversation that she had with Mary after giving birth... Um, I always think about that too, and I guess a p- wonder. Wait, she was a ca- she was a camel. Yes. Talking to Mary. <laughs> That's a whole other or like well, telepathy, when you say it like, like that. telepathically. <laughs> yes, I oh, think okay. so. I think so. Yes. I was like, what the fuck does a camel sound like? <laughs> See, it's a comedy. It's a comedy, man. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. But yes, yes. Uh, I, I think tele- telepathically, I think, yes, just exchanging information. For all I know, truly, she could have just been observing Mary there, and that was all she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know. My question to her was, again, are you getting what you needed? And the answer was yes. I'd still like to know <laughs> if it was vocal. I'm I kidding. always want to know. I mean, I... I That's so interesting. I, there's, a, there's this part of me that I've had to bottle and put away, you know, that wants all the juicy tidbits, Mm -hmm. but ultimately that's not what I'm there for. That's not what we're there for. Well, luckily, as (laughs) your client, I'm an (laughs) oversharer, so I tell you stuff that you're probably like, I don't even know that, but thanks. Um, But before we we get started, I did want to share this with you. Mm. I think that it's... There was one more story I wanted to tell too. Oh, I'm sorry. No, please, please, you first. Um... No, tell tell the story. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, just this last one from my experience. Uh, I, I was with my dad in Turkey, I think 12 years ago now. I think it was about 2007. 
and he was teaching a group of Turkish students, Turkish doctors and therapists, regression and past life regression, regression therapy. I was doing an exercise with a group of his students. I was the client or the patient, and I had done this exercise countless times before this. It was a, a spirit guide exercise, essentially, where we invite a guide in to have a conversation with, and we can ask this guide any number of convers- yeah, excuse me, any number of questions. Is this channeled, or is it like... It's trance. It, it's okay. through hypnosis, ultimately. So they're bringing me into a deeply relaxed state. I'm breathing. I'm, my attention is in the present moment. I'm feeling the ground beneath me. I'm connected to the nonverbal experience. I'm imagining a beautiful, safe, and relaxing place. I'm inviting a guide to join me there. And we can think of this guide archetypally. It's the fairy godmother. It's uh, it, it's a little bit of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, it's a little bit of the wise man or the teacher or the uh, the awakened master. So my guide on this particular day showed up as this grandmotherly figure, a, a kind of a literal kind of grandmother. She had long silver ringlets, beautiful rosy cheeks, and her smile was gorgeous. She just looked at me like I was her grandson and like she loved me upside down backwards, just couldn't love me more. And I felt so loved in her gaze. Up to this point, every god I'd ever spoken with up it had been a dog. And I would just have a good time with these dogs. And they'd give me some answers to my questions, but mostly... I was just hanging out with these dogs, which That's was funny. which was always enough, mind you. So this was this was unexpected and this was different. Spirit guide also worth pointing out at this time, highly uh, kind of you know on the surface anyway, silly sounding new age exercise as far as I'm concerned anyway. There's a part of me, maybe that same sarcastic kid in the '90s, that hears spirit guide exercise and almost nopes out immediately. Uh, so I acknowledge that, you know, this, they're, <laughs> I'm telling this story for a reason. So Baltha, this guide, she's the, the one that shows up. You named her? Pardon, I'll get to that. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, no, Jumping no, please. Ahead. I, I, I jumped you ahead. So my dad's students asked me to ask her, what's the purpose of this lifetime? Huge question. I ask, what's the purpose of my lifetime? She just leans in and shakes her head, no. She's, and she's smiling at me. She's still smiling like she loves me, but no, she's not playing. Um, I think this is hilarious. I'm like, thank you. That's the most sensible thing mm-hmm. that you could have done in response to a question like, what's and the I purpose of my And I love how a lifetime? child is delivering this. And uh, <clears throat> next question, why was I born to the family that I was born in? Same response, leans in, no. I ask her another crazy big question. What's What am I supposed to focus on at this point in my lifetime? Leans in, shakes her head. No, she's not talking. Eventually, they ask me to ask her why she won't answer my questions. And she just says, because you know too much. And she waves me away. And again, I loved this response because on one level, it could have been speaking to my ego or the idea Mm -hmm. that I have all the information. And at the age of 27 or however old I was, I could then retire and just go away or something like that. But I knew that's not what she was saying. What she was saying was I had done this exercise numerous times already. In fact, I had done it with many different dogs over the course mm-hmm. of many different years. and had, You didn't need it. I didn't need it. And that beneath that even was this awareness that it's the feeling that matters. It's the state that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 
knowing too much. And it was all communicated, all of this, in just the way she said it, in her look, in the way she dismissed me. <laughs> this idea that, you know, it's the feeling that matters, man. It's the state that we're trying to get to. And all of the language, I could give you a word for the purpose of your life, overcoming fear, love, your family, mm-hmm. you know, purpose. These large, significant, abstract platitudes, but what would you do with them? You know, what use could they be to you ultimately? It's about the feeling. So it was, again, this extraordinarily powerful message, the most guidance my spirit has ever perhaps had mm-hmm. um, that came through what is otherwise or could be considered a kind of silly new age therapeutic exercise. Um, So this is another story I like to tell as just, again, illuminating the possibility, illuminating the possibility in these things that sound in certain contexts, silly, crazy, you know, out there, wild, woo woo, whatever words we want to use to describe them. But there are extraordinary things that can come through when they're engaged with in a certain way, when they're met sincerely, when they're contextualized well, when you're working with somebody who's good at it, for goodness sake. These yeah. are beautiful stories. Thank you for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. I, I Sincerely, Jessica, it's still among my favorite parts. Um, the stories are wild. They're really wild, and they're so uniquely coded to each of us. Everybody's expression of their own trauma comes out differently in this way. I'm using that word trauma now again, and I don't mean to make it the centerpiece of anything, but I, we also do need to acknowledge, I mean, it's a, it is a big part of the puzzle because it does have such a strong force in our psychology. So, you know, whether it's the, the love, the joy, the beauty of our relationships, our skills and our talents, or that shadow stuff, it, it is amazing to me, people's unique ways of finding to express it and explore it, whether it's through animal consciousness, extraterrestrial mm-hmm. experiences, past lifetimes, present life memories. I can't help but think, too, that these experiences are really just getting at your essence. Mm. And the minimalist in me can't mm. help but feel that that's where you access the answers to living a life that feels peaceful. It feels in alignment with your dharma, with your you know, your life purpose, Mm -hmm. your joy. Mm -hmm. So when you describe these experiences and along with my own experiences during past life regression, they're so simple, Mm. you know, and then we go back to our lives and we are just these mega consumers. We can't get enough. We're in a room full of people asking, you know, what, what, what did the adults in the room ask you again? Which story? I'm forgetting. With your dad, where she said no. Oh, what's the purpose of this lifetime? Right. It's like even that is like an overconsumption. It, indeed. Indeed. I, you know, I've, I've come to think of those huge spiritual questions, again, with compassion, because the younger version of myself was obsessed with them for a time, but that they are silly in a way. How could there be one purpose to an entire lifetime? There are, are many, I would think. And in fact, my purpose usually at any given moment is contextual. You know, my mm-hmm. purpose right now is to be here with you and mm-hmm. have an enriching conversation and do a past life regression shortly and, and have a wonderful time of it and then move on to the next thing. Uh, so, you know, a teacher I once had actually said 
this incredibly profound thing in a very offhand kind of way that all meaning is context dependent. So the search for meaning, in a way, depends on the context. And it's a reminder even that we can't ever fully separate something from its environment, including ourselves. There's this other quote. I can't remember if it's an economist or a physicist, but it's it's something <laughs> What's like... What's the difference? What's the difference? <laughs> but it's something like every time we try to isolate something, we have the same problem of finding it hitched to every other thing in the universe. Sure. And that's that's the truth of it. And But isn't that cool? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And, you know, it, the same is true of the exploration of our psychology and past life regression that we find ourselves, I mean, it's a trail of breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. Again, not to come back to a platitude, but it's the journey, not the destination. And we don't want to pin it to the page. The seven degrees of Kevin Bacon but <laughs> in your mind and your life. Uh, Kevin, who was in a movie called Stir of Echoes. Uh, yeah, which where they use hypnosis. hypnosis. Yes, we should do a whole episode on hypnosis and film someday and just like go through all, all the good and parentheses mostly bad movies but you know what speaking <clears throat> of that movie mm. i think the powerful lesson i learned in that movie was that you cannot run from your intuition mm. when it is that aligned and loud it's it's I mean, if you work on those aspects of your psychology mm -hmm. and then you can sort of dig deeper and I mean, these are all modes or these are all tactics. I, I'm using all the wrong words. <laughs> I don't have any words. See, this is why language needs to change for me yeah. <laughs> so I can access the We need the new vocabularies, way. man. Yeah, it's hard to describe. I guess what I'm just trying to say about that is that, you know, um, there was he had this drive in him mm. in that movie where it was, he knew a truth. Oh, sure. Yeah. And also his, I think his wife became like really intuitive and his son, right? I, I slightly remember these subplots. I mean, yeah. we, should, we should go back to Stir of Echoes and, yeah, and watch it again. Yeah, see that movie. It's a great movie. He's digging in the backyard. Digging he's in the backyard. Yeah, I remember a lot crazy. of scenes on porches. Yeah, he's going method. His uh -huh. wife tries to just commit him and i do believe uh edie sedgwick plays his wife in that does she not who they were married for a time oh kira sedgwick kira sedgwick yeah. excuse me yeah yeah i was like edie um yeah and no she does not play his wife excuse this me. other woman plays his wife who was on law and order special victims unit there you go and she was a detective who played with Vincent D'Onofrio's character. <laughs> and she was the best. And I actually saw her on the F train like nice. two years ago. And yeah. I freaked out internally. Yeah. Um, I was an extra on an episode of Law & Order once. Do you know what? That's like on my bucket list. Yeah. It, it's on so a lot of people's people I found. It was dumb luck. I didn't. I, I'm not one of those people that is so obsessed with that show, although I like it. You know, I think it's great. But Apparently, um, it's not that hard to get to become an extra. It's not. Well, on my bucket <laughs> they're, list. They're looking for people. Um, but not to get too off topic. Yeah. My point was, if you work on these things, if you're more aware, if you stay conscious, you can tap into your intuition to the point where you can no longer ignore it. Yeah. That's what was happening with Kevin. <laughs> and that's what is happening 
the more that I work on these things, such as past life regression with you and other modalities that I've been experimenting with. Um, Because at the end of the day, you want to hopefully live a life that is beautiful to you. And I don't know what's going on in my neighborhood, but some sirens on our, there's like a saw and there's kids in a pool. Um, You know, in the spirit of the noise in the neighborhood, (laughs) you want to live a life that is pleasurable and yes. with pursuits that make you happy. Connected to our community. Mm-hmm. Connected through, to the community. Through sound yep. and other ways too. Yeah. Uh, switching gears now in a mm-hmm. moment, I wanted to come back to something I forgot to say. I mentioned Balta and mm-hmm. you asked, is that her name? Yes. Her name, my, my spirit guide in that exercise, her name was Balta. And I remember they asked me to ask her her name. And not unlike the way we think the Virgin Mary and the camel communicated, she let me know telepathically. Just the sound Balta landed in my consciousness. Mm-hmm. She never said it or mouthed anything. The only words I actually saw her say or utter were you know too much as she was dismissing me and kind of waving me away mm-hmm. affectionately. Um, but anyway, yes, her name was Baltha. There was something I wanted to share. Let me see if it makes sense now. If not, we can just edit this out. Have you heard of this writer? I don't know. You might know who this is, Mm. but uh, I love this Mm. because I'm very much in the mindset of, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. Sometimes when I feel judgment creep in, like, oh, God, I came across like this or I came across like that. Literally, Dan, it's like a split second. Like, mm-hmm. I don't stay up at night with these thoughts like I did in my youth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still pretty young. But um, I came across this on Instagram and I took a screenshot of it. And you know how I hate reading <laughs> text on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There should only be pictures. But I read this and I'm going to read it to you. I read a book that blew my mind. The main character goes crazy when he realizes no one really knows him. The gist is that the person you think of as, quote, yourself exists only for you. And even you don't really know who that is. Every person you meet, have a relationship with, or make eye contact with on the street creates a version of, quote, you in their heads. You're not the same person to your mom, your dad, your siblings than you are to your coworkers, your neighbors, or your friends. There are a thousand different versions of yourself out there in people's minds. And, quote, you exist in each version, and yet your, quote, you, quote, yourself, isn't really a someone at all. Hmm. So I think somebody wrote this. <laughs> I mean, someone definitely wrote this. I don't know who that is. I, mm. I didn't have time to like uh, Google it. Sure. But I love this because I actually had this thought when I was very young mm. that um, I didn't act on it. Like I was obviously still self-conscious and was worried about how I was projecting myself and how people were sort of like accepting that version of what I thought I was showing up as in the world. And when I read that, I was like, duh. That's why it's like, why not just live authentically for you? Whatever that authenticity means to you. I don't mean like, you know, you have to become like a hippie and, you know, be vegan or anything like that. I just think that that says so much about 
what people are trying to return to with this idea of self-care is like getting in touch with all these things that we've been talking about on the podcast, like your intuition, your space, your the stories you tell yourself, the experiences you have when you're in hypnosis, how like that's somehow getting at your essence. And the idea is to then take that and have that come and have the external reflect the internal. Mm. So that was just something that I came across that I wanted to share with you and that I loved. And that was also kind of like, duh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a powerful reminder though. I got to find out who wrote this, but it's, it, it was fascinating. Yeah. Thank you to whoever wrote that. We, we've benefited from it here. So why don't we start changing gears and explore that precise idea okay. through past life regression in these next moments. Great. All right. We'll be right back. This concludes part one of our episode on past life regression and the conversational piece. Please check out part two where you'll find the practice, the actual exercise of past life regression with Jessica and I, and we'll talk for a little while after that about how the experience went, what she observed, what happened, what didn't, etc., etc. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Visit mindspaceminimal.com and email us at mindspaceminimal at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E-M-I-N-I-M-A-L dot com. Keep it minimal and keep it moving. Thanks again for listening.